Carmen, I feel like getting drunk. I know, me too, actually. <laughs> Can we do that? <laughs> I'm gonna pour myself a little bit of wine. I'm drinking some wine that has been in my fridge so long that it's probably chispedring at this point. We're gonna celebrate Noche Buena, a holiday that oftentimes centers around an entire roast pork. A quintessential part of the Cuban identity and experience is lechon asado. Dominicans and Puerto Ricans also eat lechon, but don't call it lechon. They call it pernil. They call it pernil. So it's like the same thing, but la caja china is the key to getting the perfect lechon asado. La caja china is an aluminum box encased in wood. It's large enough to hold an entire pig. And it is the preferred roasting mechanism for Cubans who are hosting a party of 20, 25 people. And typically these gatherings are during the holidays. That's when you're having your whole family over and you need to feed them. The way that the caja china works is that you buy a whole pig. A pig costs anywhere between $250 and $300 for a 50-pound pig. And in order to prepare the pig, you have to brine it, which means you inject it with all the mojo in the world. Mojo usually consists of garlic, some salt, naranja agria, which is bitter orange. And bitter orange is a type of citrus fruit. And most of us buy a bottle of naranja agria from Sedanos. Add to that some olive oil and some additional herbs like oregano and cumin. I've often seen us use sazón completa, which is a complete seasoning blend that many Cuban Americans are familiar with. And all of that combined, with some variations, make mojo. And as you can tell, mojo is distinctly acidic, slightly bitter, has a strong garlic taste, and is herbaceous. It comes together to create a really succulent, well-seasoned pig. And this is the secret to getting that flavor, but also that juiciness. You can't have the perfect roast pig without tons and tons and tons of mojo. You put that brined pig inside of the cajachina, inside the aluminum portion. And on top of this pig goes a grate that you put coals on top of. The company that makes this suggests two and a half 18-pound bags of charcoal. You light them and that perfectly cooks the lechon. When I say perfectly, I mean the entire pig is roasted to perfection in only four hours with crispy skin. Que rico. I know, and I say this as a vegetarian who follows pet pigs on Instagram and I watch them in their little sanctuaries. Pork is like this Cuban national treasure. When my mom used to ask my grandfather, like, are you eating your vegetables? He would say, Puerco es un vegetal. <laughs> like, pork is a vegetable. My grandfather sees pork as, like, one of the essential ingredients in the Cuban food pyramid. I've had a family member roast a pig underground. Right, because they don't have cajachina in Cuba. That's a Miami thing. Roasting a pig underground is actually the way that Cubans roast pigs in Cuba. It's a traditional way to like roast entire animals. You can create as big a pot as possible by basically creating a cavern underground. Yeah, you add plantain leaves and some coal on top, and then you cover it with some palmas on top. But... How long does it actually take to roast a pig in this way? Like when I saw that happen, it was like this man had been like 
vigilando the pig for like an entire day before we arrived. Comiéndose un cable. <laughs> yeah. He was just inviting people in the neighborhood to come over for beers to watch the pig roast. And it was going to mm -hmm. take some time. This is more someone who decided to go deep into his roots <laughs> mm -hmm. to make a pig for Nochebuena. But the Cajachina, I think what it does is it brings this tradition and makes it more accessible, less time intensive and more reliable. And it makes it so much neater. Like, can you imagine Tremenda Cajachina <laughs> trying to first dig out a hole big enough to fit the pig? And then you have to put the pig in there. And then you have to, you know, it's just so involved. And this Cajachina is like a nice, neat little contraption you wheel out into the backyard and you put your pig in there and then you just chill. It's like a barbecue. It's a, a specific barbecue for a whole pig. I'm over here wondering whether like any barbecue aficionados or any anyone who is not Cuban-American, whether they've used something like the cajachina to, to roast anything before, or whether yeah. it's a specialty of the Cuban-American community. I wonder because I, I don't really know. Yeah, so this concept is not exclusive to the Cubans. The Cajun microwave is essentially the same thing. And if you want to go a little bit further, if you really think about it, the entire concept is just a big Dutch oven with the heat coming from the top. So the Cajachina was invented by a man named Roberto Guerra. He said that in the early 80s, his father was talking briefly about how he had seen Chinese people in his time in Cuba, using this system, this mechanism for roasting pig. But he said this in passing, and Roberto Guerra was like, bro, for real? I don't know about that. But they developed a prototype, and a year later, they had what we now know of as La Cajachina. That sounds like the mythology. Like, that could be the mythology of saying this is how we came up with La Cajachina, but we've read from a couple of different sources that it's questionable whether it has anything to do with Chinese people or commingling of Chinese and Cuban cuisine at all. I also want to mention that linguistics play a role here. So Cubans say that something that is clever or something that is well-designed or just in general, something mysterious, they refer to that as something Chino, like something Chinese. It is so racist. <laughs> so imagine calling La Caja China and you're calling it Chinese box, not because it's Chinese, but more so because it's a sort of magic box, a sort of mysterious box in which you place a raw pork, entire pig carcass, and out comes the most fantastic thing you've tasted. Many of our listeners may not know that there were waves of immigration coming from China to Cuba and to the Caribbean. And so there are Chinese immigrants in Cuba, and there is even a Chinatown in La Habana Vieja, Old Havana. There are Chinese Cubans who are ethnically Chinese and who are also Cuban. But we have reason to believe that's not the reason why we have una caja china. <laughs> so we've actually been talking about Roberto Guerra and crediting him for the invention of la caja china. But in reality, what he did was he developed a prototype and then started a company under this name. There are other brands that make this exact roasting box. One of them is la caja asadora. And let's be real, some Cubans have probably even gotten handy and made their own. Back to Roberto Guerra. Even though he made this and started his company in 1987 with all the bells and whistles and all the cajachinas, it actually really didn't take off and come to popularity until 2003. 
because that is when some chefs asked him for five cajachinas to appear in the South Beach Food and Wine Festival. And all the fancy chefs were raving about it because, duh, like, again, this is magic. So imagine this is chef heaven, okay? You're cooking an entire pig. You don't need to babysit it. You have to regulate the coals, but come on, that's almost no work. It comes out completely perfect, juicy, delicious, with crispy skin, and it comes out in four hours. After 2003, that's when Caja China started popping up in everybody's backyard, specifically for Nochebuena. Nochebuena is celebrated on December 24th. For Americans, it would be the night before Christmas, but it is far more meaningful to Cubans and Cuban-Americans, at the very least, than actual Christmas Day. Some of us might do a fusion where we celebrate Nochebuena and then celebrate Christmas Day as well. Nochebuena is the party where you bring all of your family together and you're, you are gathering around this roast pig, you're dancing, and you're eating all of this delicious food. Other immigrants also celebrate Nochebuena. Rather than going to sleep early and waiting for Santa Claus to bring you your gifts and you wake up early on Christmas Day, you actually stay up late on Nochebuena. And at least in my family, around midnight, that's when we'd open our presents. In some, say, more religious or Catholic families, you can go to midnight mass. So it is really centered around that evening, more so than the following day. When we talk about Nochebuena and its importance and how we celebrate it in the United States, I think it's important to acknowledge that for so many years, Cubans in Cuba could not actually celebrate Christmas. Yeah, Christmas was actually outlawed in Cuba from 1969 to 1998. It might have something to do with the fact that Marx's communist thought states that there is to be no religion in society because that creates divide and inequality. Cuba was considered an atheist nation. So it was officially banned by the government to celebrate Christmas or any other holiday based on religion. They were called Las Navidades Silenciadas, or the Silent Christmases, because these are Christmases in which if you did want to celebrate Christmas, you'd have to do it in silence. You would have to hide. I have a cousin that specifically told me that her dad would pull out around Christmas time this Christmas tree from hiding, like they'd stored it and they always had it hidden. And she said that it was un arbolito del año de la corneta, (laughs) which is Cuban for really freaking old. And it must have been that they had it before the revolution or somehow they sourced it. I don't know. But the point is that they would only take it out in secret and then they would only have it in a specific corner of the living room where nobody could see when you close the blinds. And they would only light it at night when they had all the curtains closed. And they always worried about if some of the neighbors were going to tell on them. It was a whole deal just to have a Christmas tree. You would have to keep the fact that you are celebrating Christmas from other folks. In 1998... Pope John Paul II visited the island. So after that period of time, Cuba was actually no longer considered an atheist nation, but a secular nation. And while Christmas was no longer banned, it was still considered imperialist to say Merry Christmas in English or to celebrate things like Santa Claus coming down the chimney or to have something like a Christmas tree. So all of it considered part of the United States capitalism, imperialism, and hegemony. Because 
for a long time, Christmas was outlawed. There was an organization called GAMF or C-A-N-F. I'm not sure how you say it, but the point is this organization runs a special program to help buy children in Cuba gifts inconspicuously, specifically for Three Kings Day, El Dia de los Reyes. And the government, they have accounts of the government coming in with weapons into people's houses to apprehend children's toys. Tell me that it's perfectly okay for grown-ass men to walk into somebody's house and take children's toys. It's sad and comical at the same time. I believe that even during this time when there were silent Christmases, Cubans can still roast a pork. At yeah. least when you weren't in the period especial. Eh. <laughs> Calling out some of our other episodes where, you know, I'm sure you couldn't find a pork. Unless you had it living in your tub. Carmen. Why is it that I have so many memories of pigs in tubs? There's in always Cuba. a pig in a tub somewhere. I think this may be like a good way of hiding the pig. Like an actual bathtub. I gave up pig for a really long time. I have some emotional ties to pigs. I used to have a pet pig as a little kid, so there's that. But also, after a while, I was just kind of like, I don't really like this that much. Should we get our Cuban cards taken away? <laughs> Don't come for me, people. Sorry. Okay, but I do eat pig. I eat pig under specific circumstances, and La Caja China is one of those circumstances where I will have a little bit of pig next to my rice and beans. It's just the most delicious way to make a pig, and if someone has already roasted an entire pig and they're going to throw that away, give me a little bit of the skin. Yeah. Because I will have the crunchy skin for sure. Oh, mm-hmm. so good. I'm getting hungry. Anyway... Let's do a little bit more about other things that happen around the holidays that are very Cuban. So we have music. Oh my god, Karn. This is a song that will play. At all times in Miami, and it is it it transcends Cubanism. It is definitely a Latin American thing, and it's the song Burrito Sabanero. This tells a story of someone being on a burrito, which is a mule, and I don't know, trying to get to Jesus. Yeah, because Jesus is about to be born. Yeah, and that's Christmas. Even if religion is outlawed and religious holidays are outlawed, somehow, and I don't know if this was regulated, but somehow Cubans in Cuba managed to do El Día de los Reyes, which is January 6th. And the story is that Jesus Christ was born on the 25th, but actually the three kings who were on their way with gifts for the Holy Child did not actually arrive until January 6th. And so that is the day that the gift-giving happens in Cuba. Carmen, do you think they were writing Un Burrito Sabanero? I I bet you at least one of them was. Is that why it took them that long? Probably. On your family's nativity scenes, they're definitely riding camels. They're camels. But I bet you one of them was like, on a burrito. And then he's like, okay, guys, but when you write it down, can you say that I also had a camel? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, these gifts are typically practical gifts because in Guarana. So they're usually things like socks or crayons. Maybe you get a toy. Maybe. But for the most part, it's like stuff that you need, like underwear or stuff, something like that. My family did do El Dia de los Reyes for a few years. 
after we arrived in the U.S. But I think after a while, they sort of were like, okay, I guess we're in the U.S. We do Christmas now with Santa and the Christmas tree. And then then we just adopted that. I'm totally drunk right now. (laughs) Okay, so because this is a bonus mini episode, we just want to introduce you to some Cuban vocabulary. So there's comiéndose un cable, which literally means you're just struggling. You're literally eating a cable. And imagine eating a cable. It's probably really hard. So you're just struggling. That's what that means. There's eso es tremendo vacilón. Vacilón means like a party. Like you're just, this is a lot of fun. Like it, you're having a great time. Yeah. 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 And then pachanga, which is another word for party. But it's a specific kind of party. Like if it's a pachanga, it's like a party a where you is get like a down. ratchet party. Yeah. A pachanga is like you're putting on gasolina and everybody's going to get down. Like everybody's going to line up and shake their butts. Like maybe there's a grind train. Maybe there's a know. grind train. Maybe. Exactly. And one of my favorite ones, and this is a proper cubanismo, but we're going to sneak it in because the time is right. Hay un frío que pela el mono. It is so cold that it will make a monkey bald. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're going to go with that. And by the way, this so cold could literally be 60 degrees because Cubans are really soft when it comes to cold. <laughs> Feliz Thank you so much Navidad. for listening to this. We hope you enjoyed our little episode bonus for the holidays. Happy Nochebuena. Feliz Nochebuena. We want to thank our patrons for supporting us. Daniel, Josh, Yvette, Kelly, Jesse, we love you so much. Feliz Nochebuena. Uh, we hope you share this with your family and friends and cógelo con take it easy. Of my heart. From the bottom of my heart. <laughs> love you. 